I'm Cameron Silsby, and I head up all of the Van City communities. Let's dive into today's text. We'll be reading Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 through 29. So grab your Bible, and let's read it together. Colossians 1, starting in verse 24. Now I rejoice in what, what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in the King. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy the King so powerfully works in me. So who is this Paul guy, and why is he writing this letter? Those would be fair questions on the minds of the Colossians as they heard this letter read out loud to the church. So Paul tells them what he does for a living. He suffers, serves the church, presents the word of God in fullness, he admonishes, he teaches. He works really hard at all this but not by his own gumption, but by the empowerment of the king himself at work in Paul. Not too shabby of a resume, but in the middle of this resume, Paul sneaks in some pretty deep theology. In verse 27, Paul is explaining the spreading of the good news of Jesus throughout the Roman Empire, freely incorporating Gentiles into the people of God, something that was yearned for since at least Genesis 12 in the story of the scriptures. But this good news isn't just that the Colossians are now a part of God's people. The good news is also that the king of the universe is in them. Not distant, far off, or aloof, but close and intimate through his spirit. He is with each of the apprentices in Colossae. What's the hope of glory, though, in verse 27? Let's tackle the glory part first. We don't really use or understand this word in common vernacular anymore, but it is a concept we're pretty familiar with. Some ideas that start to fill out this idea of glory are well thought of, a good reputation, well known, uh, a hero. All of those start to capture this idea of glory. In an objective, public way, you are a valuable, honorable person who's a big deal to the people around you. Now, why do we need to hope for glory? The experience of the Colossians and almost all early Christians in line with the teachings of Jesus is that the way of Jesus will not result in glory from those outside of the way of Jesus. It will most often result in the opposite, at least initially. For the Colossians, they couldn't hide their faith in Jesus for long. Family, friends, and neighbors would take notice of changed behaviors and priorities. You know, no more sacrifices at the local temple. You're in a new family now. Your sexual ethic has been changed in stark contrast to the culture around you. You willingly associate with the poor, the needy, and the lowly. You have a new king, All of these things strike at the cultural foundations of Colossae and the Roman Empire. 
and most likely after a period of pleading from those around them to give up this strange new cult, the Colossians would have found themselves facing the first century version of a Twitter mob every day. Scorn, derision, rude comments, day in and day out. There was even a possibility of violence if people got sick enough of you. All of a sudden, hoping for glory doesn't sound so strange. But this glory isn't achieved by the Colossians. It has become guaranteed by who they identify with. Remember, the king of the universe is in them. And if anyone has glory, it's him. In fact, he's the grounding and and wellspring of glory. When he ushers in his kingdom in totality, the Colossians will have a share of his glory. But in the meantime, they don't sit around twiddling their thumbs. One of Paul's jobs, remember, is to admonish, which can mean to correct or warn, and to also teach. The goal of this is to make the Colossians mature in Christ, meaning the Colossians have work to do to learn and grow and in essence to see this hope for glory break into the here and now, to to reflect the glory of the king in the way that they live right now. So what does mature in Christ look like for you? One place to start is to take account of where you are seeking some sort of glory for yourself. It's a very human, natural way to respond to the brokenness of ourselves and our world. In essence, to try to cover up our shortcomings, failures, fears by seeking a type of glory. The easiest place to spot people seeking glory and to do this ourselves is on social media. Manicured photos of your beautiful life, biting political opinions, short, witty retorts to a foolish post. All of that feeds in some way a very human desire for glory. We want to be well thought of, whatever criteria we use to determine that. Or maybe we're busy climbing corporate ladders, using all of our time towards this goal as if it's our own to do with what we think best. Or we're busy earning degrees or spending time working out or investing ourselves in fashion, whatever it is for you. Hard work, passion, having people think well of you isn't necessarily a bad thing, but context and motivation matters. One of the best symptoms to see in your life that you are pursuing a type of glory that is not drawn from King Jesus is pride. Often this looks like being critical of others that don't do as well as you or even of devaluing a person based on their performance in a particular area of life. The glory that comes from King Jesus residing in you, the glory that is breaking through the seams of who you are as you mature in him, reflects who he is. The life of Jesus was marked by humility from start to finish, and that's a helpful paradigm to measure your own attitudes and motivations. So today, I want you to spend time reflecting on where you may have misplaced attitudes and motivations, where pride is tainting the things that you do. Maybe that looks like your usage of social media or your career and business priorities or your schooling or your parenting, whatever it is. Uh, Just take some time and find a quiet, distraction-free place and grab paper and pen or use the notes app on your phone and invite God's Spirit to speak over your life and then pause for a few moments to slow down your breathing. 
when you've slowed yourself down, ask God's spirit where pride is evident in your life. Remember, a telltale sign of pride is when there's a tendency to look down at others in, the, in an area of life that you think you're good at. Write down all the things that come to mind. After this, go through this list one by one, asking the Spirit to show you what it would look like to be more mature in King Jesus in these areas. Write down what comes to mind. To our God who resists the proud but gives grace to the humble, help us to reflect the glory of King Jesus in our lives today. Mm-hmm.